bring it away. Not out of danger yet, though. Cries it for holding the ball. The crowd have just gone off. Hodge back oh, don't you me! Oh, Are you kidding me? I think that's Luke Ball. Luke Ball has just... It's the goal of the day. It might even be the goal of the year. The ball that's just falling out of hand. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice! It's Spice! He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. And the big boy kicked the big goal. Welcome to the Eastland Weekend Recovery Week number six. In the books, Premier Division throws up some intriguing results. Baronia and Heathmont get over the line in two thrillers in Division two. And then Surrey Park's Nick Cairns deals the show with 15 goals in their 153-point win. Uh, we'll cover that and a lot, lot more this morning. I'm Ryan Long, Media Manager of the Eastern Football Netball League, joined this morning by Ray Baird. This Mother's Day, it's a shorter panel, but thanks for joining me today, Ray. It's an interesting game yesterday out at Walker Park with South Belgrave getting the job done, so I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that a bit later on. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Ryan, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah, we'll, only two of us in here today, but we'll certainly dissect what's happened, yeah, and, and some great results yesterday, as you say. Absolutely, and uh, some few very interesting results here in Premier Division, which we will start with. Uh, a massive result yesterday out at Pat Wright Senior Oval where Norwood had a fantastic win over the reigning Premier's Noble Park. 8 6 to 7 11 Johnson kicked three for Norwood. Bennell, Patterson, Atkins and Jordan, the other goal kickers. Liam O'Day listed as their best player yesterday afternoon. And we're lucky to be joined on the line this morning by Marty Pass, the senior coach of the Norwood Footy Club. Marty, thanks for giving us some time this morning. I'm sure you've woken up a pretty happy man after yesterday's big result. Yeah, good morning, Ryan and, and Ray. Thanks for having me on. It was a fantastic day for our football club yesterday, and I was I was really pleased with it. Um, I think, as I said, post-game, um, when you're playing the defend, defending Premier on their home ground, um, yeah, it's a pretty tough assignment um, for any team in any competition. Um, so uh, Noble Park, a quality outfit. They're very well coached, uh, very well structured, um, very even team, and uh, I thought it was a... A great performance um, from our team. Yeah, absolutely. And not many sides have gone over there to defeat them on their home ground over the last couple of years. Uh, down at half time, um, to be able to fight your way back and, and keep them to just the three goals in the second half. Uh, how did you see the game overall? And, and were you in it at half time, or was there a bit of a, a lift in that third quarter that um, ended up getting you a three point lead at three quarter time? Yeah, it certainly was a game that sort of ebbed and flowed a little bit, I think. I think I said to Husey, their coach, after the game, that, you know, I'd, I'd like to see the contested ball numbers because it certainly was a very contested game. Um, I thought the first half, particularly Noble Park, dined on our turnovers, um, particularly late in that first quarter. And we, we just had to make some adjust, adjustments at half time, just particularly the way that we brought the ball inside our forward 50, um, how they were able to rebound out of our forward 50. Um, I thought that gave them um, too many good looks, particularly through the corridor. So we tightened it up. Um, we wanted to make sure we stopped allowing them to come through the corridor like they did, particularly in that second term. And I felt that the boys executed that really, really well. Um, it was a bit of coaching on the run. Um, and just giving the guys the feedback on, on what was happening with the different trends in the game and what we felt we did well and, and how we could stay in the game. And the pleasing thing from the outcome, I think, we were in the contest from, from the first bounce. Um, they're a very strong-bodied team and obviously value the contest themselves. So we were pretty pretty pleased with the way that we were matching the contest. Um, I just felt that, yeah, they dined on our turnovers in that first half. 
um, and, and we're allowed to rebound from our forward half a little bit too easy. So we tidied that up. It allowed us to get back into the contest and full credit to our um, our midfield in that third term in particular, the way that we were able to get the ball going our way and, um, and hit the scoreboard in that third term. Yeah, and one player I sort of just want to mention, uh, Jaffa Jaffa Williams, who has come to the club this year from ball and uh, always been a very exciting player. Uh, in the best again yesterday, how, how did you view his game and what he's been able to bring to the club? Yeah, look, he's he's got more layers to his game than just a small forward. Um, you know, that's that's one of the things I'm starting to learn. Um, I mean, I only only now coached him just a bit over a month now, in, in I guess in in the competition, but over the summer in particular. Uh, I was really impressed with the way that he can run. He's a strong body. Um, and he's got real power. So, um, you know, we've looked to look at ways that we just don't see him as a, somebody that can just play out of the box. And, um, you know, can we bring his defensive pressure and his tackling and um, his power up around the ground? Because he's, uh, he's got a pretty decent tank. So, uh, we, yeah, we, we brought him up the field a little bit yesterday and, and got him a look around the ball and, he made some really, really pivotal tackles and um, clearances and, um, you know, second, third efforts around the contest, which I thought was really, really good. So when you're playing a team like Noble Park that are so good around the contest, I thought bringing him up around the ball at different times really helped us. Uh, and, you know, as I said, I, I just hope now that we can add this extra layer to his game where he's not just a inside 50 player and he can certainly get up and around the ground and, you know, cause a little bit of chaos, I hope, for the opposition teams. Ray Baird here, mate. Look, uh, congratulations on the win. Look, on Friday I looked at, at this game coming up yesterday and, boy, the odds were certainly against you because, you know, I've been around the Eastern Footy League a long time and I can't remember Noble Park dropping two games in consecutive weeks at home. I think that would be a first for a long, long time. And also, you know, their main player there, uh, Sketcher, playing a, a 200-milestone game. You had everything against you, but obviously you, uh, the boys were switched on and, uh, you, as you say, you were very happy with the way your midfield played yeah thanks Ray look yeah look I won't lie I, I did hear the preview um, and, and <laughs> I did I did hear that I, it was going to be a bridge too far for us yeah um, and I certainly made that clear to the players that um, you know and, and that's fair enough I think people are going to have their opinions of us and people are going to have their views of us but you know the one thing that I've never wavered um, since taking over the job um, at Norwood in, in 2019 is that I think everything you do is is got to have balance, and I think the one thing that um, can get lost sometimes in the grind year to year is that, you know, we we've had to turn over a lot of players. Um, you know, we've got something like ten or eleven players that, since I took over in 2019, you know, with a large percentage of them that were premiership players from from uh, 2015 um, in our last finals appearance. So. We've had to rebuild, we've had to retool, we've always remained competitive, we've tried to teach them the right way, we've tried to encourage them to play a particular brand of football, um, and we've, we've tried to unearth young guys. And, and I know that we're in the industry and you guys will talk about predictions and different things and, and that's hard. And uh, you know, Fortunately for me, I, I just try and look at it week to week and what we've got and try and develop the best players that we possibly have. And, I think that's been the best thing about it is we're starting to unearth some really, really good young guys from the Nord Football Club that'll be around for a while. Um, you know, we've only got about four or five guys that are only that are over 26. Um, the large majority of our side now are sort of in that sweet spot where they're starting to play a lot together. They've played a lot under me now. They know the expectations. They know what it means to put on the Nord jumper and. Um, 
you know, that, that's what will happen. Um, and we've just got to keep doing the right things. Um, you know, we've, we've, had our, we've had our unfortunate situations with injuries. Um, you know, we've obviously, we haven't had Tom Maloney in the side as yet this year. He's our best and fairest winner the last two years. You know, we missed Lockie Dixon on the weekend, but other guys stood up. And that's what we need. We need guys that are continually come in, know the way that we want to play and know what's expected of them. And I feel that we're starting to get a lot more of that. Leading into the season and, and the first four weeks uh, beside yesterday, you know, uh, as, as you said, on the media here, we had doubts about you because we didn't know what you were going to dish up from week to week. But uh, do you find now that particularly after yesterday's result that, you know, you've settled down and uh, and, and look go moving forward, what are you looking for in, in where, where's the improvement going to come extra? No, I don't know. It's a, it's a fair question. Um, and I think when you are rebuilding a side and you've got young guys in it and it can change from week to week, you're going to have inconsistencies in performance. And I think the one thing is there are steps that you've got to take every week that you play a game of football. And I know that, you know, the the easy one is we want to click our fingers straight away and we want automatic finals. And is this the year that Norwood's going to play finals? I can tell you right here now, Ray, we don't want to just play finals. We want to win it. Um, and, you know, we I've wanted to win win it since I took over in 2019 but as I said you can't just click fingers and go right oh this is this is the moment this is the year we've got to do it the right way you've got to put the right pieces in place you've got to build the right system you've got to weed out what you feel is not aligned to where you want to get to um, you've got to have people aligned in the vision you've got to have people around your football club that support your vision um, and everyone's got to understand what, what, what we're trying to do and how we're trying to go about it. And if you look at our sides over the last few years, um, we've played a lot of young guys, and we've played a lot of guys that um, have come through not our under-19s and junior footy and um, all those sorts of things, and we've never, ever um, been scared to do that. I mean, we played another young guy yesterday, Hayden Patterson, who came into the side as a, as a forward in, in a big game. We, we're not going to shy away from that plan and we're going to keep keep going in that direction. And what I hope, to answer your question in a simple way, is that because we've been able to play together and we keep playing together and we keep the message the same, is that there's that trust and that belief. And I think in any footy team is once you start getting that understanding of trust and belief, um, that you know what you're doing and, and how you're going about it, I think that should hopefully create more consistent performances. So, um, again, I can never, you know, Lee Matthews always used to say, um, I'm not in the prediction industry. Um, you know, I've got to deal in reality, and the reality is we've got to do the best with what we've got every week with the players that are available and, and teach them the right way and, and hope that puts them in the in the best possible position to win games of football. Now, uh, what pressure have you got coming from below in regards to your reserve side? Have you, do you feel that you have maybe three or four guys in the reserves there that if necessary, injury hits and whatever, that they're going to be uh, capable of stepping into the role? Um, well, Ray, what's happened last year with our injury, I feel that um, we, we exposed our list to senior footy um, and a lot of guys got senior footy. So um, I like to think now that, you know, whilst last, last year was a frustrating year with, with injury, we've got some guys here that now have experienced senior footy. So, um, again, like I said, we've got our last our last uh, two-time best and fairest winner for the last two years, Tom Maloney, that hasn't played. You know, Lockie Dixon's 
um, missed two. Um, you know, Tristan Tweedy didn't play round one. Um, so, you know, we've been able to, to bring guys in and out um, that have experienced senior footy. So we believe still that there's a couple of other guys in there that will get more senior football and, and give them an opportunity at, at some stage. Um, and then further down the further down as well, you know, the connection with our junior club, we, we reckon there's about 30 guys that should join our senior program next year, which is fantastic for us because, um, you know, we've had a couple of lean years with COVID and things like that and the connection with our junior club and guys coming up. So, well, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that as well. So that, that'll set the club up well for, for future years and um, get our under-19s going again and, and our reserves and, and whatnot. But um, there's been a power of work um, from myself and others around the club just trying to make sure that commitment to our junior clubs there, which is which is working better than it ever has. So I feel that we're doing a lot of things right um, and I feel that and the entire club's pulling um, everything in the right direction. Um, so you just hope that now that our senior side can continue to continue to do the, the things we know that I think we're capable of and, and yesterday gave us a little sample size of what that can be. With the closeness of Premier Division this year, what, what you've been able to do now is, uh, you know, set next week up with, a, you know, going out to Morton Park to take on Blackburn, who have been in pretty good form as well. And, and I know with your professionalism, you're already looking at that yourself. But, uh, you know, you must be confident now that you can tackle any or any of the top sides. There's no easy games. Um, the, the, this is the... In, in my time in football and coaching for 10 years, this is the best competition. Um, I, I just think that it's so well coached um, from, from all the coaches out there that, that do such a, a mountain of work and they work so hard. Um, they all have a very good football IQ. There's some fantastic players. I mean, every time you play against a side, you're looking through their list and they've got guys that have been either exposed to AFL or VFL football or some level of um, you know, of, of NAB League or now Coates Higher League. Uh, there's just quality. Um, so every week is a challenge. And I, I think you can see with some of the results that, that have happened in the first month of football that we've got a strong competition. Um, we've got an even competition. And I just think that every week you've got to be well prepared. Um, you've got to respect your opposition. Uh, you've got to respect the way that the game's played. You've got to respect the way that you can win games in this competition. I think the other thing that this competition does too is that the grounds can be different, um, the sizes are different. Um, you know, you can be one one week you're at Pat Wright Oval, and the next week you're on a on a smaller oval at Morton Park. Um, you got to be adaptable. The conditions change. There's wind and rain, so it's it's a it, it offers up so many variables. And yeah, you've just got to be you've got to be right on in terms of your preparation and and how. Um, and how you go about it. And Blackburn, again, quality quality football club that have built their club the right way over the last five or six years, have played finals, um, have built within and, and grown their club to, to have two very strong um, senior outfits in seniors in development. And um, you expect nothing more, or sorry, nothing less rather than a, than a hard-fought, well, um, well-groomed outfit when you play Blackburn. So... Um, and we'll make sure our guys are ready. And just one last one for me, just comparing it to last year, obviously affected with injury, especially in the first half of the year, and then I think you had a, a couple of guys go off to Europe uh, again this she- season. You've had some, some key players missing some games, but 
compare this time last year, I think you were one and four. You're now sitting three and two amongst. Um, uh, I think from from fourth to ninth, everyone's on the or fourth to uh, seventh, everyone's on that three to two. Is that the big positive there that uh, compared to last year, we, even with these injuries, you've been able to get a couple of extra wins and, and maybe be able to set yourself up for the second half of the year. Yeah, Ryan, look, I'd certainly. Well, first thing I did at the start of this preseason, I got everyone's passports <laughs> and, and I locked them in my safe and uh, they can have them back at, in September. But, um, so that, that, that solves the Europe problem. Uh, the second one with injuries, that's part of football, isn't it? Um, unfortunately, yeah, we had obviously COVID protocols as well um, uh, that, that crept in at the start of last year too, which... Um, was a different one for us, but again, you have to roll with the punches and, and what you get served up. But certainly, from from my point of view, yeah, look, a three-two starts um, pretty reasonable. Two um, two of those wins have been on the road, um, and obviously we've we dropped one at home, which was disappointing against Vermont, who again a quality side. And you know, we went we that was probably our outlier in our in our first five weeks is that, you know, we, we didn't really um, start that game well at all, which was disappointing. And we've learned from it and bounced back, which was pleasing. So um, I, I've, I've really liked the way that we've applied ourselves um, and that we've, we've copped, some, copped some things on the chin that we need to be better at. We've worked on it and we hopefully get some belief now and that's all you want. But absolutely, in terms of where we were at the start of last year to now, um, you certainly uh, you certainly feel a little bit better about our start, but you want it to continue because, um, as I said at, at the top, I don't think you can roll in any week and just expect things to, to go your way because uh, a good saying in footy, as we all know, you get what you deserve and um, you've got to make sure that you, you stay right and, and you do your preparation well. Marty, we really appreciate your time this morning. You've been fantastic. It's a big win yesterday, and good to see Norwood starting to get back on the right track with a few wins in a row. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Marty. That's the senior coach there of the Norwood Football Club. A great result yesterday. It certainly took me by surprise. Uh, you're right. Everything was going against him with Noble don't lose two in a row, no, especially at home. home. Yeah, Jackson sketches sketch. milestone. Right. Um, but it's, it's just a very mature win that I think can really set their season up. It certainly can. And just the way Marty Pest talks as well. You know, you can t- you can tell the passion in his voice for the Norwood Football Club and, and the competition in general. You know, he realises that they, his side's playing in the best competition there is in, in, in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why you we mentioned the ladder and how even this uh, competition is from one to nine, which we will touch on shortly. A couple other results that we'll just touch on quickly. Baldwin, 20 goals, 17-137. Defeated Doncaster, 8-8-56. Jordan Lyle kicked six goals there and was listed as the Tigers' best player. Blackburn, again, who will play, play Norwood next week. Yeah. Uh, very comfortable win. 19 goals, 15-129. Defeated Park Orchards, 9-8-62. Uh, Probably the disappointing thing there for me is Park Orchards, you know, only kicking nine goals, you know. I, you know, I, well, I expected them to, to be very more competitive against Blackburn, but as we just said before, Blackburn are in, in pretty good form. And uh, But I just thought, you know, that, that's a 10-goal defeat. So uh, Yeah, and at yeah. home too, I guess. Yeah. And um, we know how good Blackburn are at yeah. Morden Park, and they can travel, but... That's, that's, a, that's a big win there for Blackburn. And then at Zerby's Reserve, Doncaster East, 14 goals, 16, 100 defeated Berwick, 7-6, 48. 
Tom Bell kicked five goals there for the Lions yeah. in their win with Doom. He's been a great inclusion since he's come into that side this season. Yeah, he has. He's a um, uh, obviously he's you know come across I think from the Northern Footy Netball yeah. uh, Northern Footy Netball League and had a fantastic uh, couple of years there. I think he won a best and fairest. And um, from all reports, he's he's the type of player that can probably get him to that extra step. And especially without yeah. Clark and Rowe this year, they needed someone like that to come to the club. We'll touch on this result because this is an interesting one out at Cheong Park. South Croydon, 10 goals, 11-71, defeated by Vermont, 18-10-118. Kalkovsky kicked five, Thiessen kicked five, listed as their best player for the Eagles, as to South Croydon Wilson again kicking another four. And no surprise to see Kilpatrick as their best player on the ground, but... They were 40 points up at three-quarter time and um, managed to, to even extend that lead in the last quarter. This was a surprise. I I didn't know what to expect with the Vermont. I didn't know if you've... The, their form line's been a, a bit iffy. They've When they've looked good, they've really looked good and then obviously they've had a couple of poor results. But to beat South Croydon at Cheon Park, which is a ground they play really well, uh, is, is a big result. Yeah, at Cheon Park, well, that's been a bit of a fortress for Croy- uh, South Croydon, you know, particularly over the last couple of seasons. And, yeah, no, the, just the margin in that game, uh, I, well, I didn't expect Vermont to win. I, I must admit I picked South Croydon because it was at Cheon. But, but, gee, the margin there, you know, eight goals, that, that's a huge win. And, uh, look, I, I, you know, I suppose a lot of people out there go along with my sentiments and, uh, you know, the, the Eagles are back, I reckon. Yeah. I, I think so, and... I mean, if you want to look at the Eagles' form line, I, I guess it's that it's that that one loss that we the only week we saw them live yeah, the East yeah. Ringwood one, which they were so poor in. But other than that, they've had a pretty pretty strong season. They probably should have won at home against Berwick the first week, but sitting three and two is is a a good start for the Eagles and for South Croydon. Now they're just slipping back a bit into ninth position with the two wins uh, after a couple losses on the in a row. Uh, it's not a not too concerning yet. It's still only round five, but um, they're now in. A, it's the, looking at that top nine yeah. to see Roval and South Croydon sitting eighth and ninth shows that it's really anyone's game. It is anyone's game, as we said. If you're five percent off your game going into any round, you know you, you're not going to win. You, know, you, you have to be really switched on. And uh, you know, the, who would have thought that after you know five rounds, we got Roval in eighth and uh, and South Croydon in ninth. Yeah, you, you, you know, no one would have pre- predicted that at the start of the year. And it doesn't get any easier for the Dogs. They've got Baldwin next week at Cheong Park, but. With the way Ballin are going at the moment, it'll be a tough challenge there. Yeah. And then the final game in Div- in Premier Division yesterday afternoon was Roville and East Ringwood. East Ringwood getting over the line by six points in a very impressive win for the Roos. 7-11-53, defeated Roville 7-5-47. Uh, Wind again kicking another five goals for the Hawks. Uh, been very impressive, but they did just have the three goal kickers there. While uh, East Ringwood's goals were well spread out with James Belo listed best on, he was listed as out. I thought um, on was Friday, he? Okay. but he he did um, obviously play yesterday and played very well. He's had a great start of the season alongside likes of Churney and Swizebolic, uh, Collier having a great start to his career at East Ringwood. But for me, it was a bit of a surprise. I know East Ringwood. I didn't know Belo would be playing, but I know obviously the P- Farmer boys are out or their yeah. um XV, their VFL listed players. Not there, and it's a very strong win, a strong win at uh, Seabeck, uh, holding on to pretty much a, a close margin for all four quarters. Yeah, no, look, they've certainly, uh, I, I 
picked East Stringwood to play finals at the start of the year, and I and I'm glad I did because look, they haven't put a foot wrong. The only thing is they've got some challenges coming up because next week they're at home to Doncaster East, and then the week after they travel out to Norwood who we know just spoke to Marty Pass there. So they got two challenging games, but that's Premier Division. Every week's a challenging game. You know, there's no yeah, easy games, true. you know. But, but look, they, you can only play a game each week as it comes, and they're, they're certainly taking it, you know, everything before them. I think if they pinch just one of those two, that's a really, really good start. Oh, yeah, You'd be yeah. sitting... sitting uh, well, they're on top be, of the ladder now. Yeah. If, they, if they can pinch one of those games and be a, a really strong position and... Well, they've got a very good percentage, up. too. Their percentage at the moment is 174.24. You know, that's a huge percentage. Doncaster East in second is 163. So, you know, they're not only winning games, but they're, they're winning them well, and they, they got home in a close one yesterday. And I think with, obviously, a 12-team competition and coming up a division, I think they might have a pretty handy fixture as well. I don't know if they play the, the two premiers from last year twice. I think they may only get them once. Yeah. I'll have to double-check that, but... Uh, I think they're a real good chance to really make something out of this season. And that full strength, as you said, would be a um, a really tough side to beat this year. But let's jump into the ladder there. East Ringwood, Doncaster East and Baldwin all sitting on top with four wins. Blackburn, Noble Park, Vermont and Norwood all with the three wins each. And then Roval and South Croydon in eighth and ninth with the two wins. And then the bottom three in Berwick, Doncaster, Park Orchards. For me, I think that's probably... Your, your battle for the double relegation is in the bottom three just because I can't see anyone from, from ninth upwards um, not winning at least four more games. And uh, and six wins would, I think, be enough to, to keep you safe. So for yeah. me, it's it's out of those three. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. You know, if, if uh, well, Roval play Berwick next week, it's at Berwick. If, if Roval were to pinch that, and, and then I think Doncaster have got... Uh, Woodzonka's got Noble Park, so I can't really see them. <laughs> Noble Park <laughs> dropping three no, in no, a row, and, be, and of yeah, course Park surprised. Orchards on the bottom. So I think that if if results go the way that I think they will, there's going to be an, another game gap to those three at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into Division One now. Uh, interesting result out of Montrose Recreation Reserve. The Demons 14 goals, 20, 104 defeated North Ringwood 4, 10, 34. That's a big win there. Eight goals to nothing in the first quarter in favour of the D's, and then an 86 to nine point lead at halftime. That's a, a bit of a massacre. They were able to fight back in the second half a little bit to make it a bit more respectable on the scoreboard. But a big win there for the Demons. They celebrate their 2013 Premiership reunion in style, but just a win they probably needed for you know. Yeah. They're going to have to do it against some better sides as well, but uh, shows that what they can do when everything uh, clicks. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can only beat the opposition that you're given each week, and uh, you know, but they had to have a win like that, particularly because uh, you know we saw them last week against One Turner South, and and I was one that said, okay, I I wasn't too impressed with the way they played their football, but uh, obviously their coach well playing back at home makes a difference, and they they've done the job on on a North Wingwood side. Absolutely, and. One tip that I got very, very wrong was Lilydale and Murrubuck. Lilydale three goals thirty-one, or three goals thirteen thirty-one, defeated by the Mustangs twenty goals fifteen one hundred and thirty-five. We haven't got any goal kickers there or best on, but that's a uh, an absolute thumping. It was a, oh, I think it was ninety-eight points there at three-quarter time margin. There stretched out to over a hundred points yeah. at the uh, final quarter. 
that's a big result for the Mustangs and probably must have listened to the podcast on Friday and, and heard a couple of us tip him. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I picked Merrill back, but I said it's you know they're not going to have it all, all their own way, and it's going to be a very close finish. But uh, look, but that that's a statement that Merrill Bark had to make because they've been a little bit disappointing over the last two or three weeks. So you know, if a win like that, uh, I know they're playing the bottom side, but that doesn't matter. You've still you know a, a seventeen goal win. You know you you can't get better than that. Yeah, after yeah three games that were decided by pretty much a kick or less. Yeah. They had to probably uh, have a big win there. And Lilydale, that's really disappointing because they were certainly on the right track. They were playing some really good footy in the last couple of weeks for two, maybe three quarters. And yeah. I really thought they were close to a win, but maybe they are still a bit off the pace. Next week, they've got one turner south at Walker Reserve. So they'll likely be uh, another loss there. One of the other results is uh, Beaconsfield versus one turner south. Out at Home Park Reserve, Beaconsfield 9-14-68, defeated the Devils 9-6-60. In a very interesting game there, one point in it at half-time, then a six-point margin at three-quarter time before. Beaconsfield, two late goals, were able to hold on and defeat the Devils in a fantastic game and two good sides. We've seen, we saw one turn south last week and you saw Beaconsfield the week before. So yeah. that's sort of the result you were sort of expecting, a, a similar close game between the two sides? Well, I tossed up who I was going to pick a, on pre-match yesterday out of this game. In the end, I went with Beaconsfield because this would have been a great battle of the midfield because we know what form Lincoln Wong's in and the midfield of Beaconsfield are very good as well. But, uh, gee, that's a, that's a good win for Beaky. I know it was at home. But, you know, one turn us out the week before, as we saw them on the radio, that they're a very good side. I thought that, uh, you know, they would have probably won the, the centre clearances with Dines in the ruck. But, uh, you know, you can't ride off Beaconfield. As I said, when I did see them uh, against South Belgrave, and to me they really could have won that game, I just like the way they're going about their football, and I think they're really on the right track. Yeah, definitely, and they will sit pretty comfortably in third position now with four wins and two losses so a great start for the Eagles they're certainly on track for a finals appearance this year and who knows they may be able to even uh, shake up the final series there also happening yesterday out at Bayswater Oval Bayswater big winners over Croydon 19 goals 7 121 defeated the Blues 9-10-64 I thought Bayswater would win at home but not by that sort of margin Schroeder was best on for Bayswater with three goals uh, Coat McInerney, uh, McInerney, sorry, uh, Sertikos all kicking multiple goals for Bayswater. While for Croydon, Thompson kicked three and was listed as their best player. And then Ficarelli and Costantino kicked two each. But I think you can look at it. There's two, again, two stories on this because Bayswater, the, the amount of improvement they've done over the off season and without Bryce Kelvin there yesterday too was one person that we thought certainly has a, a big impact on the game and might be able to... Um, the Blues might be able to get on top without him there, but to be... I mean, that's a that's, that's over a 10-goal win. That's a, a phenomenal effort from Bayswater, but very concerning if you're a Croydon fan. Well, it makes me look stupid because I pre- predicted Croydon to win this game. I just had a feeling about Bayswater. I know they've been playing great football and, and Mark Hardy's a great coach and, uh, you know, he's certainly got them on fire. But, uh, you know, to win by 10 goals, you know, that's a huge uh, statement by Bayswater and, and it's a win they had to have because they've sort of been in a few close finishes. Yeah, last week, a five-point loss to South Belgrave. Could have pinched that one, that, uh, apparently, from um, a few reports down there. But certainly from from a Croydon perspective, I thought at the start of the season, 
uh, from hearing from a couple people at the club, they were pretty confident on the on how they'd go this season. Had some picks, uh, good pickups, some younger guys uh, from Moorbuck and Vermont, but this is a really uh, disappointing start. They're now one and five after the first six weeks. I th- finals are certainly well and truly off the cards. I don't. I think. I think there's too many sides above them that are uh, aren't going to drop the amount of games to for Croydon to jump them. And it's a it's a hard, you know, it's a, it's a it's hard to see him coming back when you're still only kicking nine to ten goals a game. Well, I had the same messages from people I know pre-season. Now, you know, they were pretty up uh, well into it that they were going to you know, certainly improve Croydon. But yeah, uh, it's the same old story though. You know, they're not kicking enough goals, and uh, you know, is it because they're not even getting the ball down there enough? Or we don't know because we haven't been yeah. there to watch them. But but as you say, you know, I. I, no way known they could play finals on the form they're producing. No, no, you just can't, couldn't tip them at the moment. And apparently, I've heard a few players off to to Europe from their side as well. In okay, in the next uh, couple of weeks, I believe. Well, that won't so, help the situation. No, that that certainly doesn't help. When I know a lot of clubs are going to be in that sort of position, especially post COVID, everyone does want to get yeah. away. And I'd love to go to Europe right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't. So, uh, unfortunately for Croydon, they may miss a few players there. We'll jump into the final game in Division 1 here. Mitcham versus South Belgrave. The match of the round yesterday out at Walker Park. The Tigers, 8 goals, 11, 59. Uh, fell short to South Belgrave. 10 goals, 21, 81. A fantastic game, I thought, in the end in the second half. Uh, maybe not on the scoreboard. And South Belgrave, I think I think the margin got back to about 12 points yesterday. But yeah. I was really, I really liked the uh, second half, the intensity from both sides. It certainly lifted. But that first quarter, the Saints... Four goals, 10-34. Probably could have just about ended that game very early, but they kept him in it with some inaccurate kicking. And then in the second half, I thought it was Mitchum who missed a, a lot of important set shots that were really gettable. Well, as you say, they got within 12 points, but in that last quarter, they, they probably missed two, maybe even three shots that they were gettable, but they didn't get them. But but the game was won, obviously, in the first quarter, even with South Belgrave being so inaccurate, kicking 10, uh, 4, 10, 34 to 1-2-8. And that was uh, basically... Uh, the uh, the difference at the end of, end of the game, but after that, look, the second quarter was pretty even. Uh, Mitchum kicked three four to uh, South Belgrave three two, but you know, and they were back in the contest. I liked the way they come out after half time, and they showed some aggression that was certainly missing in the first half. And and they were very hard at the ball, and they they put South Belgrave under a lot of pressure. And South Belgrave started to turn the ball over as well in that third quarter, and they really got back in, in inside into the game you know but then uh look uh all in all, you've got to look at the South Belgrave side. They're a very good side, as we always say. Good sides know a way to win. They were challenged at the end, but, you know, a couple of late goals there. And, uh, look, uh, Damien Garner uh, did did the job down forward with four goals himself, you know, with his brother missing, Taylor, who's been kicking goals. But a uh, shout-out goes out to Jesse Cherry for Mitchum. Yep. He was, you know, he was in and under the ball, and he got hit with everything. And uh, but he was, he was a very good player for them. But having said that, also uh, Charlie Peters, him, him and Cherry uh, were at each other all day. But I just thought they were both very good players for their own particular teams. Yeah, absolutely. And Cherry was listed as the Tigers' best on ground, may yeah. kick the two goals with Lachlan too, and then for South Belgrave, as you mentioned, Garner kicked four, and Ryan Silver was their best player. Had a, a fantastic uh, job uh, down back yesterday. Yeah. Uh, a lot of intercept marks, and there's a few times where uh, just, just some 
really strong pressure, a couple of rundown tackles, yeah. uh, a great game from him. But as you said, both sides with a lot of injuries. At full strength, I think potentially both sides could play in the grand final. And I think South Belgrave, you look at that forward line, if you get Tim Smith and Taylor Garner alongside Damien Garner all there at the same time, that's, right. that's scary. That is scary. And they have, they've just been... <laughs> And you, I don't think I think you said they've barely been able to get all three Garners on well, the well, same Well, you look field. at since the Garners have been at South Belgrave, oh, you know, which is probably three, maybe even four seasons now. You know, the thing is, I they, they wouldn't have played half a dozen games together. The whole three of them in the same side. No. And, and we and we've mentioned that the two forwards, but uh, Mitch Garner as well. He's just a huge, big unit, and uh, he gives their midfield every every first use of the ball every time. And uh, you know, he he's just a dominant player as well. So look. They're going to be, even at this easy stage, there's going to be challenges, but, gee, they're going to be hard to beat this year. Yeah, I think so. So that is six in a row for South Belgrave, the only undefeated side in the division. Having a look at the ladder here, South Belgrave sit on top, six wins. Montrose in second, four wins alongside Beaconsfield and Mitcham with four wins as well. Then in fifth place, Murrubark, a big percentage boost for them with the three wins. Bayswater and one turn south also, three wins each. North Ringwood, two wins in 8th place, and then Croydon with the 1, and then Lillardale there sitting in 10th without a win yet. But again, similar to Premier Division, you look at probably the top 7, for a one-turner south side, I think a, I have them almost still a lock to play finals, and yet they're sitting in 7th, so yeah. shows you again how even this division is, and there's going to be a couple unlucky sides that miss out on finals this year. Yeah, yeah, no, look, and that's what we want. You know, all through the whole five divisions in, in Eastern in the Football Netball League this year, they're, they're all very even, the whole lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fantastic so far. We're going to go to a short break, and then we're back. We'll touch on Divisions 4, 3, and 2. 40 out. Have a shot. He's going to have to. He's going to play on, run around, give himself some room. Set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes. He's got it. To four points. What a good goal that was. Yes, welcome back to the, the Eastland Weekend Recovery. We've already jumped into Premier and Division 1, chatting with Marty Pass, the Norwood Senior Coach. We're going to look at Division 4 quickly. Three sides, uh, very big winners there, as we probably expected uh, on the preview there. The big result from Surrey Park, 26 goals, 24, 180 defeated Croydon North Emlock. 4-2-26. Croydon North have been really... Um, Struggling with on the injury front, I think they had another eight or nine changes this week and some key players too. So already it's it's a tough season as it is, and to have that uh, really really hurts. And uh, they were certainly tested against probably the best mark, benchmark of the competition. The big big uh, notable uh, figure here, Nick Can kicked fifteen goals for Surrey Park. Yeah, um, yeah okay, and that's. He was listed as their fifth best player, so not even in the top four players <laughs> oh, and he kicked 15 go. <laughs> goals. So I think Cairns a bit stiff there, but uh, yeah. a fantastic result for him. And uh, I think he'll be absolutely leading the uh, goal-kicking in Division I would say 4 so. yeah. now, I've, I think, with that sort of performance. Yeah. Um, also, yes, they scores to be defeated in Nutterwadding. 23 goals, 15, 153 to Nutterwadding, 5-5-35. Nutterwadding will be really disappointed with this because at halftime... They, they were only 26 points down, and okay. to, to end up going down by almost 120 points and kicking one goal to almost about 15 goals, yeah. 15 goals to one in that second half yeah. is is a really disappointing Yeah, they would result. certainly be disappointed with that, yeah. And Bronskis kicked six goals again. Firth kicked five. McBean kicked three there for the Magpies. And then the final game in Division 4, a little bit closer, but again, Kilsoth keep on rolling. 15-11, 101 defeated Chernside Park, 7-13, 55. 
it is the first time they've beat Chenso Park since 2010, so a okay. good result there for the Cougars. Uh, Goodenson, four goals. Again, O'Neill four. McNay kicked a couple. Ray was listed as their best player for Chernside Park. King was the only multiple goal scorer with two. And Grant Stevenson was listed as their best player with the two Glavant brothers uh, in the best. But uh, pretty business as u- usual now for Kilsyth. And they sit very comfortable on top of the ladder in Division 4 as they go to their first bye of the season. Uh, they've played the extra game. So they've got the five wins in the draw. Surrey Park in second with the four wins in the draw, but they will even up with next week as obviously Kilsyth uh, have their first bye. Scores being third with three wins, then Churnside and Forest Hill with two wins each, Nutterwadding with one, Croydon North yet to win. For me, I think that uh, top seven now is, is starting to um, certainly form its shape. I think the top three is pretty much a... Top two's a lock. I think those two will yeah. finish top two. Yeah. Scoresby have been pretty competitive. I think we'll finish in third. And then uh, I guess you can sort of make a... a you, know, you can make a bit of a case Forest for Hill. Forest Hill. You know, they're, they're, they're equal on, on uh, two wins and three losses with Churnside. So uh, their third and uh, fourth position on that ladder is still up for grabs between Churnside and Forest Hill. But the, to me, the disappointing thing is the performances so far of Nutter Wanning and Croydon M. Lock. I know there's circumstances around it, but at the start of the year, I just thought that, uh, you know, they were going to be more competitive than what they were last year. But when Croydon North, let's take them, for example, when you have eight changes you know he's certainly it's a completely different side coming out each week and the other uh, thing is that Surrey Park will probably finish on top of the ladder because you look at the percentage of Kilside 177 Surrey Parks is 246. Yeah, so Croydon North haven't done Kilsyth any favours there. With, no, no, that's right. But, but, you know, it doesn't matter. You finish first and second yep. anyway. But, yeah, no, but look, as I say, just probably disappointing that, uh, you know, uh, two of the bottom sides there have sort of got a gap with the top five. Yeah, absolutely. And Forest Hill do play Churnside Park next week for the first time this okay, season. Okay, so that's so a huge game in relation to the ladder. Absolutely, absolutely, because if Churnside Park... Uh, knock them off by six or seven goals and you start yeah. to look at that top four maybe not changing for the rest of the season. So yeah. hopefully it's an interesting game there and keeps some certainly some intrigue with how the uh, season will finish there. We'll jump into Division 2 now. A couple of big results that we will touch on, but let's go through some of the other games first. The Basin defeated Upper Fentry Gully at Batterham Reserve. 15 goals, 18-108 to Upper Fentry Gully. 12-8-80. Edwards kicked three there for the Bears. Power was listed as their best player. As for Upper Fentry Gully, Bailey kicked four, Godfrey kicked three, Todd kicked three, and Topples listed as their best player. Uh, it's uh, pretty pretty uh, positive for Upper Fentry Gully that they got back into the game in the last quarter, kicking four goals to two after probably being about 40 points down there at three-quarter okay. time. So they fought back a little bit, but I think as expected, the Basin, although they're very young, they're still a, a pretty strong lineup, especially at home. Uh, a must-win game there for East Burwood yesterday. They defeated Knox 17-20-122 to the Falcons 8-6-54 there at Knox Gardens. East Burwood had a uh, quite a few goal kickers. Young was the star there who kicked four. Connellan and Barlow three each. Keegan kicked two, but a very important win for them. Knox, their goal kickers. Black kicked three. Lachlan kicked two. Crawford listed as their best player. Was Mariani the in the best players for East Burwood? Or no? uh, he wasn't yesterday. No, well, he was back he in missed, the side. Yeah, he missed the week before, yeah. So he had his wedding uh, last week and yeah. obviously has come back with a few others. Gunner Cody Logan was back in the side. Mm. Uh, Wills has now played a couple games in a row. But uh, 
they just I think Agnew came back out of the side last week, so they have haven't had any sort of consistency with yeah. their lineup, um, and they've got a tough task against Templestowe next week. So this win here was just so important; just had to get done. Didn't matter how much they just had to get the four yeah. points. So they banked that, and it's a big test for them next week. Out at uh, Jubilee Park yesterday, Ringwood ten fourteen seventy four defeated by Mulgrave thirteen seven eighty five. Big win for the Lions here. Booth back in the side kicked four goals. Tilliard and Roberts kicked two each. Oh, Kenny was listed as their best player. And a couple of familiar faces in their best, of course. Jervisoni, Tilliard, Booth, all in their best. And as for Ringwood, Williams kicked three. Bruton back in the side kicked two. And then Tim Wack was listed as their best player on the ground. But it was a pretty close game all afternoon, having a look at the scores. Ringwood actually led at three-quarter time by a point. And then three goals to one in that last quarter saw the line pinch a win here, and they needed it. They've played that extra game, of course, because of Good Friday. So yep. they've got to be able to keep up with those those top five sides and because and, they will have a bye yeah, later yeah. on. Ringwood would be very disappointed with that result because, you know, to drop another game out at Jubilee Park at home, a game that, you know, most people, well, I did in particular, p- picked them to win that game against Mulgrave. But, uh, you know, all, all credit goes to Mulgrave in a close finish. Well, they're now both on the three wins too, so yeah. a bit of an eight-point uh, game because if Mulgrave had lost that, they would have been in real trouble and yeah. really um, outside of that top five with a, a struggle ahead. So a big win for them, and they've got uh, another big week next week. Uh, should should uh, win there against Upper Frenchy Gully. As for Ringwood, they've got Baronia at Tormore Reserve, so... That's a that's a, a big ask. <laughs> yeah, it's a big ask now, and they've got a great record against Bronya, except okay. for the 2018 Grand Final. They've probably had the Hawks measure, but I don't think they're going to get um, anywhere near the Hawks at the moment with the way they're going and the way the Hawks are going. And let's talk about the Hawks because a six-point win over Templestowe in a fiery contest there, 11-12-78 defeated Templestowe, 11-6-72. Again, a very even game all afternoon. Templestowe had a one-point lead at three-quarter time. Uh, from what I've heard, they were three goals up or two goals up late in that game and then Baronia kicked the last three goals of the match to pinch it. Begley kicked two, Hare kicked two, Edwards kicked two for the Hawks while Luke Hannon was listed as their best player uh, taking ruck duties uh, with his brother Josh going down with a uh, minor injury there. As to Templestowe, Batsanis kicked three, Warren kicked two, Brown listed as their best player. In terms of a contest, this is a, a fantastic game and... Uh, especially with the weight finish with Brony coming home strong. But from a Templestowe point of view, let's let's touch on them first. I think you're going to be disappointed because you've you've dropped one where a game that you were in front late and probably could have held on. But it shows that they are the real deal and they can really test it up to the best sides in the division. Um, and their only two losses have been by very small margins. As you say, they'd be disappointed because they had that lead and they threw that away. But uh, look... Uh, the, the big problem with Temples, though, last year we had the same sort of... They've got to keep their main players on the on the park. If they can keep their main players on the park and, and play the football that they're playing, without a doubt that, you know, they can test it. Well, they proved yesterday that they can test it with the best. And, and at the moment, Baronia, uh, uh, you know, argumentally, Waverley Blues may not agree, but Baronia are the best in the competition, in my view. Yeah, I think they are, and that's a... You know, again, another a close win, and uh, it just keeps them on top, undefeated. So they're the only other side in the uh, league that uh, haven't lost a game. Oh, I guess you can talk about Scoresby and Surrey Park, but they had a draw. So yeah, uh, they've just been uh, phenomenal and and pretty much at full strength. I know a couple of injury concerns there for both sides, but 
other than that, uh, two great teams that I think we'll probably see again a couple times later in the year. The other big game in Division 2, rounding out the top four, was the Waverley Blues and Heathmont. Similar sort of finish, the Waverley Blues 8-8-56, defeated by Heathmont 9-6-60. Very close game. Had a few twists and turns. Waverley Blues were in front early, and then Heathmont were in control, and then late, the Waverley Blues uh, back in front. And then a goal in the last couple of minutes, I believe, uh, I, I don't know who kicked that, but mm-hmm. Heathmont uh, steal it from uh, the Waverley Blues with Stevens kicking five goals for the game, listed as their best player. Missed last week. How important of an inclusion that is to have him back in the side. As for the Waverley Blues, still kicked two of the rest were single goal kickers with Sam Mir listed as their best player. But another fantastic game against uh, another two quality sides in the division. Yeah, no, look, and I'm just looking at the ladder myself here, you know, and, uh, you know, the top four, they're all very good sides. Heathmont have moved in a second position too now. Waverley Blues have got the bye next week, haven't they, I think? No, there's no boy. Who they no, got? No, they've next got week? Uh, next week. They've got Knox, so that's a yeah. Well, yeah, uh, okay. You yeah, think a, a well, they, they've there. actually played an extra game, Mulgrave yep. and Waverley Blues. But you know, the, the top four in particular, you know, on any given day, they Baronia, Heathmont, Waverley Blues, and Templestowe. On any given day, they can they can win. Well, let's jump into the ladder now that we've touched on that. So sitting on top right now, Baronia with six wins. Sitting in second, Heathmont with the five wins and the one loss. Waverley Blues also with five wins, but as we said, they've played that extra game. Templestowe and Ringwood in fourth and fifth. Uh, four wins to Templestowe, three for Ringwood. Mulgrave with an extra game, still with the three wins. And then East Burwood and the Basin in seventh and eighth with two wins. Albert Fentry Gully with one win. And then Knox sitting on the bottom without a win yet. But uh, if they can, you know, I know they, they probably won't beat Waverley Blues next week, but... I think they'd love another crack at probably Upper Ferntree Gully and yeah. hopefully get one back there for, for their sake. Just looking at the, the top four, do you reckon that's... I, I don't see anything with the top four changing. I, th- I think their positions may Yeah, their um, positions may around. change, but they'll, they'll certainly be the top four. And then you've got Ringwood, Mulgrave. Well, Mulgrave's moved again uh, above East Burwood now, so that puts East Burwood in a bit of a predicament where they've got to, you know, get a consistency of wins there to get back into that top five and six. Ringwood, they're hanging on the fifth spot at the moment. But uh, the only thing with Mulgrave, although they've got three wins and four losses, their percentage is only 87. You know, it, it's where the side above them, Ringwood, is 123, and East Burwood below them, 102. So, so Mulgrave have got to keep winning and, and hopefully can build up their percentage if they want to play finals. Absolutely, and it, it could come down percentage at the end of the season, yeah. possibly. But also Ringwood and East Burwood, face off in a couple of weeks time okay, so yeah. that's a big game it's an yep. eight point game in that one there we'll jump into division three now Coldstream got their season back on track with a 20 point win over fair park in a low scoring game eight goals 856 Coldstream defeated fair park for 12 36 they were without darcy fruits yesterday carrigan's had a fantastic start to the season kicked three goals edmonds kicked two as well with shield listed as Coldstream's best player on the ground as for Fair Park, Gilling kicked two, and we have the three goal kickers with Jason Watt. Another strong, strong game. He's come to the club, uh, the experienced veteran, with a uh, really strong start to the season. He was their best on ground. But 
I think we, I think almost everyone tipped Fair Park. Uh, yeah, you would have to on the on the form, but for Coldstream, okay, to win away from home. Uh, looking at the scoreline, maybe Fair Park inaccuracy cost them four goals, twelve to eight eight. We don't know, but uh, but no, most people would have picked Fair Park, and and that's a good win to Coldstream, one they really had to do. But what they've got to do now is follow it up with another one next week. Well, I tell you what, if they had lost that one, I would have written them off for the year because they've got Fenchley yeah. Valley next. They host them at home, but their yeah. form at home this year hasn't been as strong as it has in the previous couple of years so big test for there because Fenchley Gally are on, on fire at the moment they had another big win yesterday against Warrandyte 16-13-109 to feed the Bloods 8-8-56 we haven't got goal kickers and best listed here but they were pretty much in control all afternoon a five goal to one first quarter stretched that lead out at half time and never looked back with uh, Warrandyte putting a bit of respect on the scoreboard late in that game with four goals but other than that, it's a big win for Furniture Gully, and I think they've probably put themselves as the benchmark of the competition alongside Donval, yeah. um, who also had another big win yesterday. Although they kicked very straight compared to Sylvan, who they matched up against. 23 goals, 6, 144 defeat the Cats. 11 goals, 17, 83. So I'm not sure if that was, uh, you know, maybe Sylvan just, just kicked themselves out of it at that first quarter. 5 goals, 6 the Cats to, Sylvan, uh, to, to Donval, 6 straight. And that's and a, that's a great win for Donval. We've we've said during the week that, and and prior to that that you know going up the Sylvan on the small ground up there you know sometimes you can get caught out. But though Donval has certainly done the job. And to kick uh, 23 goals without yeah. Ethan Duncan in the sides impressive. Murphy and Jordovic combined for 10. They kicked five goals each. Yeah. Uh, the day, oh, both days had uh, seven oh, seven combined with them four and three, um, and then for. Sylvan McKenzie low kick three each. Ficker really kicked two himself. Steinger listed as the Cats' best player. I think if you just look at the final score, it's probably not pretty reading for the Cats. But you look at the the scoring opportunities, they actually had yeah, yeah. almost as much. They pretty much had equal scoring shots. So yeah. it probably shows that they did have plenty of chances and yeah. matched them in the middle of the ground. And it sets up a big game next week against Oakley. They travel there. But with the way they've been going, I think it's a it'll be tough to beat Oakley. But they they've had a, a good start to the season and, and surprised quite a few. Yeah, and they have had a very good start to the season. And as you said, just on that, that scoring, you know, there's 28 to 29 scoring shots. So there was you know nothing in in the difference as far as so they obviously had the ball inside their their forward 50 quite a bit as well. But then next week, as you say, the huge uh, road trip there from Sylvan all the way down to Oakley Districts, and and that's going to be a great game as well. Absolutely, and let's touch on Oakley because they got the job done in a very high-scoring game out at Springfield Park yesterday afternoon. 17 goals, 13, 115, defeated Whitehorse, 15, 11, 101. A fantastic effort there from Oakley District. They were tra- uh, trailing there at half time, at three-quarter time sorry, by uh, 16 points and kicked six goals in the last quarter to one to pinch that win. Both sides scoring over 100, which you don't always see. Uh, at local footy anymore. Pearson and Bosnich kicked five each. Vocally District Webb was their best play on the ground. As a white horse, Young kicked five. Thornton kicked three. And Thorn was listed as their best play on the ground. But a great contest in the end. It looked like Whitehorse probably had their measure for, for most of the game. But a great fight pack from Oakley. And Bosnich's had a fantastic set season. Another five goals. And, and obviously Blake Pearson's just... just uh, 
just doing Blake Pierce and things at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, look, and, and Oakley did, but the way they finished off that game, you know, kicking those goals at the end and getting a... Because we got scores coming through at different stages and there wasn't much in that game either way right through the whole day, but to finish it off like that, Oakley District, you know, they're, they're, they'd be very pleased. A win away from home and then and next week they they take on Sylvan at home. Yeah, it's interesting, and both sides are going to be... I know Whitehall's actually sitting 7th on the ladder, but they've probably played better than a 7th side in this division, and that's probably just talks about how even the competition is. So a couple of sides to look out for, uh, certainly uh, Whitehorse next week, play Warrandyte at Warrandyte Reserve. That's a very interesting game. That's an 8-point game, yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. So uh, loser of that probably would uh, be very hard to to, um, see in making finals just because they, they will fall behind the eight ball a fair bit. Uh, let's jump into the ladder for this division. Uh, Donval and Ferntree Gully sitting on top with five wins each. Sylvan in third place with the four wins, just the two losses. Oakley District with three wins and three losses. And then Fair Park and Coldstream both with two wins alongside Whitehorse there in seventh. And then Warrandyte sitting eighth with the one win, but a very even division and... Uh, still, you, you wouldn't. I think you'd, your top two. I, I'm I'm pretty confident those uh, yeah. two will finish in the top yeah. two. But yeah. other than that, I've got no idea what will happen. No, no. Well, the next four: Oakley District, Fair Park, Coldstream, and even Whitehorse. They they can still make it, you know. But the interesting thing about it is, is percentage. Not you don't see this very often. Oakley District's percentage is an even 100. Yeah. yeah, so they've kicked four, uh, 438 four and had 438 kicked against them. So Good spot, uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, no, so you don't see that very often in football. No, you, you certainly don't, but plenty to look forward to in all divisions. Ray, thanks for joining us this morning. It's been a bit of a, a quicker one with just the two of us, but uh, plenty of good football to talk about, and uh, it was certainly good to have Marty Pass on this morning. Yeah, Marty Pass was very professional in the way he went about it, and uh, yeah, and one thing we have to say is uh, happy Mother's yes. Day to all the mothers out there, and uh, enjoy your day. Yes, you got plans for Mother's Day? No, I'm going just around to my daughter's place. It's all today. Excellent. Yes, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And you'll certainly see a lot of pink with the BCNA round continued today at junior level around the grounds. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, O'Regan probably just outside his distance, although he's made a fool of me there. Beautiful kick. What a season he's had, Mark O'Regan. He puts through. Okay, bursting through. Burns off one, kicks around the corner. He's oh. the goal. Tobin Brothers goal of the day contend.